Hello everyone, this is Lisa Fields, the founder and president of the Jude 3 Project, and I just want to take this time to personally thank all of our monthly supporters. We could not do what we do without giving from people like you. I greatly, greatly appreciate it. And if you're not a monthly supporter and you would like to become one, you can go to jude3project.org and hit the donate tab and sign up. We are grateful for you and we hope you enjoy today's new episode. God bless. Hello, welcome to the Jew 3 Project podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Fields. I'm the founder of the Jew 3 Project. Thank you for watching another episode of the Jew 3 Project podcast. As always, I'm your host, Lisa Fields, the founder of the Jew 3 Project. And today I'm excited to have a dear friend of mine, Mr. Malik Blade. Now, uh, you may have seen Malik on previous episodes uh, as a guest host, uh, as a guest, and also on our Through Eyes of Color virtual experience. Um, so um, it's my pleasure to have him back on the podcast. Welcome, Malik. How you doing, Lisa? I'm glad to be back. Thank you for having me. For those who don't know who you are, just give them a little bit of background about who you are. Sure. So my name is Malik Blade. Uh, I'm the CEO of the Whole Brother Mission. We're a nonprofit that seeks to equip men to be whole in every area of life. And we've become most known for connecting men with counselors across the nation. So we have a network of counselors, therapists, and other mental health professionals in every state. And we're just the in-between between men in need and those therapists. And we connect them with someone in our network and assist when there's financial need. That's awesome. And I have been able to see the organization grow and I would highly recommend people getting connected to the information to help them uh, become whole brothers. As the book we have here that we're going to talk about today, Whole Brother. Now, in in full disclosure, we've tried to record this uh, interview about four or five times. And this Mm. is uh, (laughs) technology. uh, we've had the most tech glitches uh, that you ever can imagine. And the crazy thing is we both do podcasting, so we shouldn't have these many glitches mm-hmm. trying to interview each other because and we God interview wants to, people God who wants don't. To keep us humble. Keep us humble. <laughs> Apparently <laughs> that's it. So um, Malik, tell us a little bit about your book, Whole Brother. Um, what was the motivation for you, you writing it and what is it about? Sure. So the title's Whole Brother, Debunking the Myth to Break the Black Family. And what inspired it was just seeing a lot of issues over the years as it relates specifically to black families, but even more specifically black men. As a black man myself, my peer group, I've seen a lot of trauma, unresolved issues, family issues, mental health issues. And I just thought to myself, like, man, these things aren't getting addressed enough. And then before doing the whole work with the Whole Brother Mission, I worked in colleges and universities. And one of the things I noticed quite a bit was as a as a dean, I had to deal with discipline and I ended up having a lot of black male athletes in my office. And I ended up having to play both dean doing the disciplinary and stuff, but also therapist slash counselor and helping them work through some of the issues that caused the infraction in the first place. And unfortunately, I began to see a cycle 
of black men never having opportunity to talk through some of the things they've been through until they're much older. You know, it was unfortunate for me to see that a lot of these guys were addressing these things for the first time in college. And from there, I find myself having to refer many students to the counseling center. And I was reminded of the ongoing stigma, I believe, that's prevalent in our community of avoiding mental health services, avoiding counselors, avoiding therapists, and just this fear of being labeled crazy. And I saw a need to, to break that stigma. So the book is addressing the idea of Black mental health, but also Black male identity. And I think some of our misunderstandings about identity and manhood and masculinity are what end up creating issues for us as far as how we relate to other people, our children, our spouses, so on and so forth. So the book generally addresses four different types of fathers, because I do think how you're raised and the role that your father plays or doesn't play affects how you perceive yourself as a man. And then from there, I address different myths that we as men have about manhood and masculinity. That is so helpful and also so important um, when you talk about how uh, important fathers are to the development of their sons. Can you talk a little bit about the different types of fathers? Sure. So I don't want to give everything away, but in a general sense, uh, the four fathers are the single mother functioning as a father, the absent father, the toxic father, and the present but distant father. And uh, each of those, I think, from what I've seen, produce a different type of son. Certain uh, insecurities, certain vices tend to yield as a result of what type of father you, you did or didn't have. And we also have quite a bit of input on these, the impacts of these types of uh, child, these types of child rearing from some of our therapists as well. So it's being assessed through both a cultural lens, but also a psychological lens. Mm -hmm. That is so, so helpful. Um, your book also includes several different myths that uh, men uh, believe. Um, what are some that you want to share with us today and how do you help um, kind of present a different narrative to the myths that so many men have bought into? Yeah. So I'll, I'll, I'll rewind a bit and I'll point out that uh, one of the types of fathers I address is the single mother functioning as a father. And a lot of us are familiar with the idea of the strong single black mother, but we never really consider what role does single motherhood play on the mother? I remember Taraji P. Henson recently did a Breakfast Club interview, and she said she wouldn't wish single parenthood on her worst enemy. So we never mm -hmm. consider uh, the ideas of the additional pressure that's put on that single mom as far as, as a broken family. But one thing I address is for single mothers, uh, if they're the main one raising their their son, a lot of times he may pick up some of their mannerisms, some of their approaches to people, uh, which is not necessarily a bad thing, but he might be more expressive. Generally speaking, a lot of times we see men as less emotionally expressive and women as more expressive. So that son might pick up some of those traits from his mom, which is not all in all bad. But then later I address the myth that emotions are feminine, because in many cases mm. we force men to be emotionally distant because uh, of stereotypes that men are supposed to be uh, Superman all the time. And in reality, Superman is Superman because he's Superman. <laughs> he's not a man, uh, but we are 
And, and with that, we have to give men the room to express express the breadth of emotions that exist and not just anger. And in addition to that, I think that's something that not only men undergird, but women too, when there's this expectation that a man is supposed to always be prepared to lead and always be okay. And once mm-hmm. again, I think leadership is important, but at the same time, we can't rob men of their humanity and not be given opportunities to process through pain, hurt, dysfunction, or any type of issue. And um, it's just my hope that we can put bravado aside for a moment and begin to process through some of these things, if not in your personal relationships, but in session with the therapist, because you can suppress things as much as you want. But if there's some unresolved issues there, they tend to show themselves in an ugly way. Yeah, that's great that you said. I love that you brought up that point of um, emotions manifesting solely in men as anger. And anger is really a secondary emotion, right? Um, Usually people are hurt and disappointed and then anger comes from that. And so men don't often have the freedom to express that. And so the only avenue they have is rage. And so it's like, no, people are legitimately, when they're angry, usually they're hurt or they're scared. And so... Um, how do we, you think, get men to be okay with saying I'm hurt and I'm scared? Yeah. So I think one, I, I'm glad that we put the subtitle as debunking the myths that break the black family, because I think this is a community conversation. And in many cases, I'm not putting blame on women at all, but I do think that women play a huge part in what men perceive as okay or what is allowable. And some guys, many, many guys have been in situations where they have been emotionally vulnerable with women and they've been called a punk or weak uh, for expressing that vulnerability. Women do that to men and other men do that to men, which is why in many cases we end up suppressing all of it because we have to appear like everything is okay. And then the only emotion we're comfortable with expressing is anger because that one makes us look strong when in reality, in many cases, that 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 uh, that sticking your chest out and that bravado is a cover for the fact that you were hurt. So I do think one, it'll be women uh, allowing men to express that and not using it against them later, but also men uh, having these types of conversations amongst ourselves. Um, one of the things that I noticed in many cases is once again, we're so so focused on presenting an image of all is well or saying I'm good, bro, that we never take the time to dig deeper than that. And women feel the brunt of that, especially the women that we're in close contact with. A lot of the people that come to us for for therapeutic services or for for therapy or, or counseling, in many cases, it's a mom, a sister, a girlfriend or a wife saying this man in my life needs this and i think that's Mm. great but we as men need to also not just be uh so aloof about our own emotional maturity or lack thereof that we are taking the steps to say i'm I'm not good i need to i need to process through this and it's okay to do that so it, it has to be a cultural shift i would say for women and for men yeah i heard td jake say one time that He's never beat. He's never met a man that beat his wife that loved himself. 
And he said, mm-hmm. usually that when people are abusive uh, to their spouse, it's because they are in a battle with themselves and whoever gets close to them are recipients of that battle. And so I think that is really one of the keys. It's like you want to challenge people to to men to be healthy and men should challenge themselves to be healthy because like you said, it's a communal issue and you can't have a healthy family without healthy people. I always say a whole relationship isn't made up of two halves. It's not addition. It's about multiplication. One person, one whole person times another whole person equals a whole relationship. And so um, I think it's so, so crucial, like you said, that we think of it as a communal thing because it affects us as a community. Yeah. And I would also like to add that, you know, I, I've laughed with you and some other friends about this, but it's really not funny at the end of the day. But we think about a lot of the music, the R&B music that, that women write. And while there are some great love songs out there, if we look back, a lot of them are talking about tumultuous, traumatic relationships, Black women writing about loving a Black man. I think about Lauren Hill. I think it's, it's X Factor where she says, uh, it could all be so simple but you'd rather make it hard. Loving you is like a battle and we both end up with scars. Tell me who I have to be uh, to get some reciprocity. And she's, she's, she's alluding to this idea of being in a relationship that's not a two-way street, but she's the one that's getting what she's not receiving anything back. And I think that once again goes to men not having spaces to really process through their emotions and suppressing them or drowning them out with drugs or alcohol. And I'll get to that later. But Something that I referenced, I borrowed from uh, Professor David Muehlhoff and also Pastor Brian Loritz has popularized it. I hate that we can't have this on screen right now, but it's basically an emotional pyramid. And it it lists uh, some different levels of emotions from top to bottom. And it starts off at the very top with cliches. And then at the bottom is uh, exposing self, exposing who you are. And many times, men in our conversations, we just stay at the top of the pyramid with cliches and facts. And we never really get to opinions, feelings, and sharing who you are, which is at the bottom of the pyramid. So, so often, me, we as men stay up here, and we don't really know how to process through those other things. But then you get in a relationship, and you're you're with this person who wants more of you, not just cliches, not just the facts, not just, yeah, I'm happy they won the game. But how does that make you feel? And, and so many men hate that question. I don't feel anything. <laughs> but in reality, we we feel a lot of different things. But it's just that we don't feel we have permission to express those things. So once again, so that we're not then damaging the people that are close to us, I think we have to take the initiative to process through some of these things. And it's so often tied to fatherhood. Um, I think many fathers end up taking on the role of a buddy. If they are there, just being a buddy rather than being a leader or shaping the mind of their son. And they're not conscious of how their behaviors affect their son's development. So in many cases, men are once again, distancing themselves from trauma that they experience at the hands of of, of a father intentionally or unintentionally, never process through that, get in a relationship and now the result of your suppression and ignoring of all these issues from childhood to adulthood falls on this other person. So, you know, that's why I think 
uh, relationship counseling, pre-marriage counseling and marriage counseling, all those things are great. But it would, I believe it would do you even one better to process through those things as an individual before you bleed on someone that didn't cut you. Now, relationships are a place for us to work through things together. You don't have to be perfect before you get married. But I do believe that we can raise the bar and do a little more work on our own before we connect to other people at that level. Mm-hmm. That's that's so important and so helpful. Um, when you, you talked about how people cope, um, share a little bit more into the coping mechanisms that people take on instead yeah. of dealing with their their trauma. Yeah. So I know that your audience is predominantly a, a Christian audience, and I feel comfortable saying this. Uh, it's not just unbelievers that smoke weed. You know, Christians smoke weed, too. And I'm not <laughs> I'm not going to get into the legality and so on and so forth. You know, we're recording this shortly after uh, some of the election results came in. And I just heard or- Oregon, I think, just legalized a whole bunch of drugs. So I'm not <laughs> I'm not getting into all that. But I will say that. uh Many men run to to weed in order to cope with the woes of life. And what I'm addressing and that that particular myth that addresses that chapter uh, on that myth that addresses these things is that distractions are solutions. Many of us use Mm. things that take our attention off of the issue as the solution. So if it can distract me for a moment, it's resolved. But in reality, it's not. You're just distracted for the moment. But when you come down from that high or when you sober up, the issues are still there. And I really wanted to address this, although I know it may step on some toes. uh, I think it's important that we as men be very intentional about addressing issues head on rather than using these substances to perform escapism. Uh, The example that I use is we all have this idea of a man being a man's man, being bold. If someone breaks into your house, we applaud the man that picks up his weapon or goes to the front door to take care of business to protect his wife and kids. Uh, We applaud men that deal with issues head on. And we would call him a coward if he ran out the back door and left his children and wife in the household as the intruder was coming in. So I then asked the question, why do we applaud men dealing with things head on in every other area of life except for their personal issues? We don't have that same standard when it applies to men that are doing escapism by getting drunk or getting high as a means to get through life or to just get by uh, surviving rather than thriving. So I think that same standard that we hold generally should be held to us on a personal level as well. Stop running away from things, but deal with them directly. And I know it's not that simple. You know, obviously, this is an interview, so I can only address so much. I address it more in the book, but I want to encourage us to explore a variety of options uh, that can help us get to resolutions for whatever the issue may be, rather than just distracting us, distracting, distracting ourselves momentarily. You mentioned uh, distractions and you mentioned substance abuse, but I think there's a distraction that many people don't realize that church ministry, um, uh, a deep immersion in theology and apologetics, can also be a distraction from dealing with root issues. Yeah. Distractions don't necessarily have to be substance abuse. Talk a little bit about that. You've been mm-hmm. in seminary world. Um, you've seen people have uh, an unhealthy attachment uh, to even mm-hmm. 
theology and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. Talk about how that could be a distraction from dealing with who a person really is. Yeah, that's a that's a perfect question because uh, I've I haven't finished my my doctorate yet, but please humor me for a while and allow me to label or diagnose something. Uh, I call it spiteful success. And this is uh, how I describe some men who may have absent fathers or fathers who weren't uh, emotionally there for them. They end up practicing spiteful success, which is I really want to kill it at life. I want to be successful. I want to get all these degrees. I want to be 30 under 30. I want to make six figures. I want to get this beautiful wife who also is making money. And then we're going to have kids who make money. And whatever the case may be, whatever that is, and it might even be money, it might be having a mega church for you. It might be becoming a popular professor who writes books that everyone wants to read. Whatever that is, those things in themselves aren't necessarily bad. But if you're doing it to prove value to a father that abandoned you, then that's spiteful success. And and, in, and I, what I've seen in many cases, I've heard some football players talk about this, that they reach this zenith of success, reconnect with their dad, and the dad still isn't interested in the relationship. And that's the mm-hmm. ultimate disappointment where you felt like, look at me. I've made myself desirable. You should want me now, right? And that's why it's so important for us to not tie our identity to the things that we do, because when those things that we accomplish don't impress people the way we expect, then we're left disappointed and our hope is deferred. And in the same way, we're in a pandemic right now. People aren't able to do the work that they were normally able to do. They may not be making the money that they used to make. They may not be hitting the quotas they used to hit because of the pandemic. But if your identity is tied to those things, then you're going to be sorely disappointed. And I can honestly tell you during this pandemic, Requests for mental health, health services have spiked, and mainly it is it is unemployed men who aren't able to provide for their families, and they need to talk through this depressive moment that they're having. But if you're already not making the money you're supposed to make, then how are you going to pay for therapeutic services? So that's why that's where we come in, because we recognize the need is there, but sometimes the money isn't there. So spiteful success is something that I would encourage. Many, uh, I know you probably have a lot of professors or pastors or church planners listening to this, but I see this as a person who's gone through seminary. I've seen this in them as well, where uh, good things become bad things uh, when we when they become God things or, or, or idols, where success in this area of ministry has become the standard rather than just being faithful wherever God would have you to be. So once again, accomplishments can't be tied to identity. And you also have to work through how uh, a father that abandoned you, you have to work through the effects that that has had on you. And there are so many men in ministry who are killing it at quotas and going viral with their sermon clips. But when it comes down to it, they have not worked through some of the effects that those things have had on them. I would point you to uh, an interview that T.D. Jakes also did with Pastor Keon Henderson, uh, who who is a pastor, but is still processing through Father Hurt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is a, a helpful resource. I watched um, Bishop Jakes' interview with Keon, and it was definitely enlightening on how he was processing. Now, as you know, and as everybody watching knows, this is an apologetic organization. And so for people listening, 
They're like, help me connect the dots as to why mm-hmm. we would have this conversation and apologize. And on an apologetic platform, what is the connection? Connect the dots for our audience who may not understand why it's an it's important um, for apologists. Mm-hmm. So I would say I would point us back to our our three core areas at the Whole Brother Mission: the head, the heart, and the hands. The head is uh, I'm sorry, the head is mental health. The heart is emotional maturity, and the hands are professional advancement. So that head. I would say the mental health piece plays into apologetics, one, for the person, the apologist, but two, for the subject that they're dealing with. Um, I'll just be honest. I look at a lot of uh, people that are in the apologetics realm, urban apologetics, whatever the case may be. And while I think it's important to to defend the faith, a lot of times uh, we end up defending the faith defending our point with the goal of winning an argument and you're losing the person. And um, I think if, if you don't understand what's going on psychologically, as far as your interaction with another person, you end up wasting a lot of time. Um, many of us might not consider the aspect of wisdom on who and who not to engage. And I think specifically as it relates to the head, the mental health piece and the heart, the emotional maturity piece, those parts play a those aspects play a huge part in apologetics and going back and forth with people because one, as I mentioned the uh, the spiteful success, you need to be aware of where you stand in terms of why you're doing this. And I think the assumption would be, well, if I'm defending the faith, I should just go for it. That's that's fine and dandy, but you need to make sure that you're okay personally. And that this isn't an expression of an insecurity that you have not resolved. So one, understanding your own mental makeup and emotional makeup before you engage, being at a healthy point. Once again, it's not being perfect, but it's being conscious of where I stand with those things. But two, even more so, it's understanding the subject that you're dealing with. I think, and you, I want to give you credit, you pointed this out before, but it's also something that I observed, that a lot of times behind people's questions of the faith is in many cases an unresolved issue that they've had with a Christian or a church or with God based off of a circumstance that they felt like he allowed or he ordained. So rather than trying to crush or defeat your opponent, sometimes it will be helpful for your witness to understand the emotions that are going on behind the question. And that takes an emotionally mature person to calmly not be so bent on winning and fighting back verbally with information. I've had in my own instances of witnessing or sharing the gospel, whatever the case may be, where, yeah, I could easily debunk someone's argument and embarrass them. Uh, Having done a bachelor's in Christian studies, uh, master's in ministry leadership, doctorate in counseling now, you know, I've, I can defeat people as far as the argument on certain things, but I've observed time and time again where the issue wasn't even the point that they were arguing, but there was more to it. So I've taken the time to ask more questions about what may be going on behind the scenes and not necessarily winning. So I think it's really important for us as men to take a step back because it's really easy, easy for us to get into battle mode and to win and put your guards up whether it's fighting on the street or fighting for the Lord, you know, it's, it's easy to go into fight mode to defend, defend, defend. 
But the same way that many of your listeners who are husbands may have learned that this isn't a situation where one person needs to win or lose, uh, but we need to get to a point where the relationship can be at a better point for you to then hear me. While that applies in your marriage, that can also apply in other relationships, too, where you're communicating with people, Uh, not necessarily trying to win this moment for views or for likes, but winning the relationship. And sometimes that'll mean changing your tone, changing how you posture and even changing the direction of the conversation, even if you know you're right. That's that's so, so helpful. Uh, You know, I'm all about more conversations, less Less debates. Uh, so, and listening to people, I believe is the greatest apologetic. So thank you for sharing that. You are wearing a a hoodie today. And I think it's so, um, so great. Uh, I love the hoodie, but the message and the, the mission behind the hoodie is even more amazing. Share with our audience, what is the mission behind the hoodie and how the hoodie can help other people become whole? Yeah. So as I mentioned, the Whole Brother Mission is a 501c3 nonprofit that's equipping men to be whole in every area of life. And one of the ways we do that is connecting them with counselors and therapists. We have a network all across the country. So any person living within the United States, uh, reach out to us and we can connect you with someone uh, for mental health services. This hoodie, a positive positive motivating force uh, for, for the 90, 90s babies and maybe some others, you know, the, the Aaliyah song. Um, and I, it's, it's borrowed from that, but it's this idea of, of us being whole as men so that we can be a positive motivating force in the lives of those that we're connected to rather than a negative discouraging force. So it's, 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 it's borrowing from this idea of a great relationship when we think about the Aaliyah song, but it's pointing to how I can better myself to have a better impact on other people. So the hoodie is available on our website, wholebrothermission.com, and uh, we can tag it uh, hoodies for wholeness because one purchase of of one of these hoodies will cover the fees for a man to have a session of therapy. So you can support us directly by purchase and and support someone else who you may not even know uh, to see a therapist. One hoodie equals one session of counseling or therapy for a man in need. So once again, it's available on our website whole w-h-o-l-e brother mission.com that's helpful and i'm excited about people becoming whole uh through hoodies now you can give like yeah. he said if you don't want a hoodie you can still give right uh, give. but <laughs> if you do want a hoodie <laughs> you could you could also uh give and get get the hoodie as well and give someone a free therapy session so that's that's dope um is there any other things before we close that you want to share about the book that we didn't cover that you think is important for our audience? Well, I would just point out, I know a lot of people consume information differently. So the book is available on Amazon as a paperback, as a Kindle, and also as an audio book for those that prefer to listen. So it's Whole Brother Debunking the Mr. Break the Black Family. It's available on Amazon. But if you would like a signed copy and you'd like a couple extra dollars to go to the Whole Brother Mission, because Amazon is a bit stingy, uh, you can purchase it directly from us at wholebrothermission.com and you can get a signed copy with a note to whomever you'd like it to go to. And once again, these uh, purchases of these books as well go toward the work of the Whole Brother Mission, which include uh, therapy for men in need across the country. We have an emphasis on black men, but we're not turning anyone away. 
But in addition to that, uh, it's been delayed due to COVID-19, but we had an HBCU book tour plan where we're hitting schools like Howard University and uh, Washington, D.C., St. Augustine's University in North Carolina, and um, where else? Uh, Florida A&M University, uh, amongst others. So when the pandemic passes, we'll be taking this book on tour to have this conversation about Black male identity, Black families, and Black mental health at different HBCUs. So your gifts can support that as well. And you can reach out to us and potentially bring the tour to your uh, campus near you as well once the pandemic has passed. So I just wanted to pass that information on. Additionally, uh, we have a podcast, Home with a Mission podcast, where we continue these kinds of conversations with therapists, professors, and just men navigating through life. It's very much so similar to Barbershop Talk. And uh, what else? Uh, we we got the book, social media additional handles. merch. There we go. Social media handles. Everything is at Whole Brother Mission, W-H-O-L-E Brother Mission on Instagram and on Facebook and on YouTube as well. And my, uh, I'm Malik Blade, M-A-L-I-E-K-B-L-A-D-E. So if you want to uh, have me to share an event of yours, we do a lot of virtual conferences now or, or anything like that, uh, those are my handles. And we just look forward to normalizing this conversation uh, because I'm sure you can think of women's conferences at church, women's empowerment events, but um Men need those spaces too, whether we want to admit it or not. Uh, we have a wide spectrum of emotions. Men get sad, men get disappointed. And so often they, they feel like they can't express that at home. Uh, so we want to create spaces for men to express it amongst themselves. And hopefully this will create more healthy and whole homes as well, which then will create healthy children. And then we'll have generational change. That's awesome. Well, thank you for being the guest. Um, thank you for uh, supporting the G3 project. And thank we you. hope that you support the whole brother mission and all the great work that um, Mr. Malik is doing. Uh, we're so thankful that we were able to finally record this interview. It has been uh, so crazy trying to record and I think we finally, finally got it. So thank you for listening to another episode of the Jew3 Project podcast. Remember, you can become a monthly partner or give one time at Jew3Project.org backslash donate. You can follow us on social media. We're on all social media at Jew3 Project. You can get merch there. Our curriculum, Through Eyes of Color, is available, uh, an online course. And if you want to watch the Through Eyes of Color conference on demand, uh, you can do that as well, all at Jew3Project.org. Remember, here at the Jew3 Project, we're helping you to know what you believe and why you believe it. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Jew3 Project podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. You can tune into all our past episodes at www.Jew3Project.com. You can subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. Remember not only to subscribe, but also rate us. That helps us to gauge how we're doing and how you're enjoying the show. And it gives other listeners some ideas about the show as well. So thank you so much for tuning in. Also, remember we have our Bible engagement app in partnership with Back to the Bible to help you get better engaged in the Bible every single day. You take a survey, it assesses your strengths and weaknesses and sends you Bible verses based on those. So it's a great app. You can download the app by searching in your app store or Google Play, searching Jew3 Project, and it'll be right there for you. 
So thank you again. Remember, if you would like to become a monthly partner or a one-time giver, you can do so on our website or by mail. Just go to Jew3Project.com, hit that donate tab, and you'll see the option to mail in a gift or give online. We appreciate you, and I'm so, so thankful for you. God bless, and remember, here at the Jew3 Project, we're helping you to know what you believe and why you believe it.